sports fans rejoice. You're listening to my team, my voice with MTMV Sports. And now the time fight fans all across the globe have been waiting for. It's the MTMV main card with your man, the voice. As always, in the opposite corner, my mano e mano, my verbal sparring partner, none other than Philly's finest, Iron Wildress Ruffin. What's I'm here, on, yo. Shout out, shout out to them Philadelphia Eagles. You know, I'm not an Eagles fan, but uh, let's go, Birds. Um, it's you, you show it because it's, it's fly, Eagles fly, and I don't even mess with. Uh, football like that but you you just showed you're not an eagles fan which hey I, well I'm, i didn't i didn't say i didn't want to say that though so i, okay. I said what i said okay you know what i'm saying see it's, it's smoke o'clock and you it's already coming with the ridiculousness you know what i'm saying i ain't even gave you a leading yet you know and you was well, it's, it's, you said smoke o'clock so you know it's on site I see you got your, your Rocky Balboa pullover on, so let me go ahead and give you a lead in. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's the man, the myth, the legend, the man with his own T-shirt, the voice. And hoodie, and they're on the way. So uh, as soon as they get here, I will be sporting said things uh, during the show. All right, big time. All right. Well, we got an amazing show. Um, of course, with the Super Bowl, there's not too much going on this weekend in the world of combat sports, but we're looking forward to getting you all ready. And we got some big stories to get into. So, voice, let's go ahead and get into KOs and low blows. All right. All right. So, voice, one of the greatest boxing parents in women's history is going to run it back. Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano, too was announced to take place May 20th in Dublin. Now, following Serrano's victory Saturday night, uh, Eddie Hearns actually made the announcement that the bout will be for the undisputed lightweight title. Now, many do remember that in their first meeting in front of a sold-out crowd in Madison Square Garden uh, last year, Taylor defeated Serrano via split decision in what many consider to be a fight-of-the-year candidate. Now, voice, how do you feel about running it back, especially after... Serrano's recent win and what do you think that we should expect in this second bout in comparison to the first okay so I've got the last question which is what can we expect differently but give me the first question again how do you feel about them running it back so soon uh with Serrano's most recent win uh this last Saturday I don't have a problem uh with them running it back uh now I think it could have been an immediate rematch i know that serrano's had a couple fights since then i think taylor's had one i, I don't yeah. if she's had more than one um whoever she fought it was nondescript i don't remember it <laughs> um so them running it back i don't have a problem with it was a split decision i think it went to the right person uh but i understand it being a split because serrano brought everything that she could and threw the, she she didn't throw the kitchen sink. She threw the whole kitchen at Taylor. <laughs> the issue is that um, this fight is taking place, like you said, at lightweight. Lightweight is two weight classes above where she just fought. Is there enough time? I mean, it's uh, what is this? This is um, February. Fights yeah. going to take place in May. 
Okay, that, that does give you some time to bulk up a bit, but does it give you time to really get into uh, the, the proper shape weight-wise and, and put the weight on properly to take on Taylor? Because the, the issue with this fight was that she was punching above her weight. And the punches that would have stopped other fighters, but uh, salute to Cruz, because she was so very game in that fight last week. That That was... That that was probably, or I should say, that should be in candidacy for fight of the year. We'll see how it holds up as time goes on. But uh, salute to Erica Cruz because she came to give it everything that she had. Um, it's been a while since Serrano has stopped anybody. And like I said, Katie Taylor, the, the punches were there. And you could tell she was giving her all Serrano but they just really weren't having the kind of impact necessary mm-hmm. to win her the fight. Uh, you know, K- Katie Taylor is a wonderful, wonderful fighter. As I stated, and want to say last week, um, I believe that Delphine Pursun beat her the first time. So it's not that she can't be beat, but does Serrano have enough to make that happen is the question. And I just don't know if three months is enough time to get what she really needs which is the the pop behind her punches and who knows if she could even carry that power up uh serrano she she couldn't last time so um it's gonna be a good fight absolutely going to take place in ireland uh conor mcgregor said he'll put up uh 500k to have it shown at croke park which is uh like their big football stadium, uh, football in the sense of what the world calls football, not American uh, handball uh, that we're going to watch on Sunday, the, the Super Bowl, but football, worldwide football with everybody but America considers football. You can't keep slandering other sports, boys. You can't. You can't I can too. This. It's my show and I can slander if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> I personally believe that that Serrano was going to come with something different only because, like you said, I, I you know, it, a lot of people can argue that Katie Taylor lost that last bout. And I think Serrano is definitely going to look at that tape and also look at uh, their last bout. And I think she comes in hungry. I'm not going to lie. I know we don't do predictions. I'm taking Serrano and I might take her by knockout. Mm, okay. I might. All so, right. you know, that, let that, me, that's let me a know. old uh, prediction. Like I said, it's been a minute <laughs> since Serrano's <laughs> knocked anyone out. And she's fighting at not one, but two weight classes higher than her last fight. And when you got three months. But this is potentially time. this is potentially the you can potentially call this the biggest fight of her career. Oh, yeah, it is. Doesn't, I don't think she comes in unprepared. I think she comes in ready to shock some people and, 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 and shut it down like I do against you every week. Um, so speaking of Conor McGregor, and, and then you uh, wake up, I, I wake up and I'm like, Oh, okay, yeah, I was victorious mm-hmm. and I did it with luxurious skin. In your now, mm-hmm. speaking of Conor McGregor, uh, UFC uh seems to be the comeback, uh, it seems to be in the comeback year. Um, he's gonna be returning mm-hmm. when he faces. Yo, you're on one today. You're on one today. He's going to be facing Michael Chandler later, later this year in about the many feel could garner McGregor a title uh, title bout uh, with a win, despite him not fighting for over two years. Now, the, bio, the bout is scheduled to take place after he and Chandler 
uh, wrapper up coaching on the upcoming season of Ultimate Fighter. Um, now, not want to hold his words, Chandler is already predicting that McGregor will not make it past the second round. And unfortunately for Chandler, betters ain't really checking for that. Um, as both fighters are showing to be even on the betting odds, despite Chandler remaining active during McGregor's two-year layoff. So, voice, what are your thoughts on McGregor's comeback? And how do you feel about the betters kind of being eh, not really sure of what Chandler's talking about right now? I mean, as far as the comeback is concerned, um, it's needed for him. Uh, is needed for the UFC because this has been a horrible year uh, for them. So uh, having this kind of good news is good for them. Having Connor on tough is going to be beneficial as well. Uh, he, We know that he's using steroids right now. So this gives him enough time to allow those things to cycle through his system. Um, it gives Chandler time to uh, bulk up some more if, if he uh, wants to need to. It looks like he had already kind of start working on that anyway. Um, you know, so from the comeback aspect, especially for Connor, because part of this bad year that the UFC's been having has been Connor too, with trying to kill people uh, <laughs> at his birthday party or threatening to kill people. So for him, as long as he can keep his nose clean, pardon the pun, um, wow. then this should be, or I should say this at least gives him an opportunity to, uh, to, to do some damage control with his uh, persona, uh, his mm -hmm. uh, public persona. Cause you know, like I said, it, it depends. You're in Vegas. Uh, there are a plethora of places to get in trouble in Vegas, uh, and you're there for a while. Not that he hasn't been there for a while before when he did tough against uh, Faber, but he he's different and things are different uh, at this time. Now, um, that was a comeback piece. You said something you asked about Chandler and the uh, the betting lines. Well, Chandler is a promoter at heart. So, of course, she's going to say the things that he's going to say. It doesn't really matter what the lines say. The fact that, that it's even, I think, is really um, – that that really is good for Chandler. Yeah, Connor's been out for a couple years. Yes, he has been hurt. Um, but the style that Connor has – and with the fight being at a higher weight class, it gives some some edge. Or it really helps to even the playing field a bit. Just you know, just on paper, because uh, Connor needs to hit him hard. And Chandler's been talking about going in and having a war. Well, that gives you the opportunity to hit him hard. Uh, hopefully, he will follow the instructions and the directions of his team uh, there at Kill Cliff. Uh, Henry Hoof is a master strategist and mm -hmm. the strategy will be take him down, wear him out, ground and pound him. Do that for a couple rounds because Connor, uh, after two rounds, he's done normally. 
So do that for the first round and into the second round, and you can probably get a ground and pound stoppage. Well, no matter what, I think it's going to be a, a big deal, especially those fireworks that are going to be happening as we get closer um, to the announcement. Um, I know right now they haven't even decided where uh, the bout is going to be taking place, so definitely be looking forward to hearing that. Now, as one bout is being made, another bout is kind of falling apart. It's kind of falling apart for silly reasons. So Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis are scheduled to uh, – to actually fight this year. Um, don't know if it's happening at this point. Uh, looks like there's an issue for uh, a rematch clause um, that's actually holding up uh, the fight as far as where and who um, will be showing it. Um, I know uh, recently Coppinger uh, uh, stated um, that while PBC and Showtime is going to handle the first meeting, um, and they argue that they should actually hold the, hold the sequel, but Golden Boy and Zone disagree. Um, according to that article, Tank Davis is going to be earning the lion's share of revenue should the bout happen in April. However, between that and the fact that Ryan Garcia is not going to get a rematch if he loses, it, it seems like there's a lot of disconnect there. So, Voice, what are your thoughts on that? And do you do you believe that this bout is going to happen? I hope that it happens. The fact that both sides were comfortable enough in saying that if um, Tank beat who did he fight uh, Garcia Hector Garcia that if he beat Garcia that they would have the fight gives me hope. Um, <laughs> here's where the rub is because as we were talking off air just before we started. You have one side of a story, you have another side of the story, and the truth generally is somewhere in the middle. You spoke about the things that Mike Hoppinger said. However, what Oscar De La Hoya recently said was the only issue was the rematch and who would be broadcasting it. He felt like the zone should be broadcasting the rematch if um if Ryan were to win. And like that was it. Um, on the other side, Steven Espinosa, head of Showtime Sports, said, Hey, if he's saying that it's only one issue, then it's highly probable that we'll be able to get things done. And he also talked about him taking it uh, public versus handling business uh, behind closed doors as business people do. Uh, but him saying that, he was like, hey, if that's it, then, yeah, we, we should be able to get this thing done. The things that Mike Coventer brought up, though, uh, have a lot to do with it. Now, should um, should Ryan, should it be a more even split if Garcia were to win? Yes. Should it be on the zone if he were to win, Ryan Garcia? Yeah. Uh, should there be a rematch clause if he's to lose? No. Uh-uh. You are the B-side. We know that you're the B-side. Otherwise, you all wouldn't be fighting on who broadcast the rematch. You'd be fighting uh, on who broadcast it initially. So being the B-side, no, a rematch for what? If you get beat, you get beat. And the way that both of them fight, you get beat, you get knocked out. What is there to watch? 
you know, what what, what is that to do again? If you get definitively knocked out, then that's it. You know, so um, like I said, the, the, the truth lies in the middle. Uh, and we'll see again. I am hopeful. And actually, De La Hoya may have hurt himself in uh, doing this because if there is more than one thing uh, now, you know, they can kind of push and say, hey, well, you say it was one. And uh, and we're willing to give on that one. Let, let's get it done. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I so I have to ask. I, I, I while I do understand what's meant by that, how can Garcia really be the B side when many are saying Tank hasn't really fought many people either? Like most of his most of his uh, contemporaries were like Tank doesn't really have much to stand on either. So what what would really make it seem as if they don't come into this even? The reason that that would be said is drawing power. Um, Tank sells out arenas. Granted, they're talking all this pay-per-view stuff, and he don't sell pay-per-views, but he does get them money as far as the house is concerned. And from that perspective, that does make him the A-side. You know, Ryan has a lot of uh, influence, a lot of pull, a lot of people will tune in to watch his fights. We don't know if that translates as far as pay-per-view is concerned. I think it will. For one fact and one fact alone, the greatest boxing, uh, or I should say the, the greatest demographic when it comes to boxing is Mexico and or Mexican Americans. And I said boxing. That's probably combat sports as a whole. Right. When I went out to see um, see the last UFC pay-per-view, there were so many of my Mexican brothers and sisters at uh, the location because of Assassin Baby, Brandon Moreno. So you have uh, the Mexican aspect. You have the social media aspect that Ryan brings. So I think having him uh, as part of this is really going to help with boosting the pay-per-view sales. But again, he's an unproven commodity as far as that's concerned. Tank has proven that he can't sell, but he can get he can get you in the, the door, uh, but he can't necessarily uh, get you to tune in sitting at home, at least not legally. Ah, got you. Okay, so it's like St. Louis University can get you into the door, but Villanova is what's going to sell. Got you. Okay, when we come back <laughs> after this quick break from Moselle, we're going to be discussing the uh, WBC Super Featherweight uh, World Championship and also UFC 284. Come back from this quick break from Moselle, and I'm going to take this win because right now, voice can't really say anything. So oh, we'll I can right say back. something. I can say uh, <laughs> let, let Villanova play slew and see what happens. Who got more That's championships, boys? Say. Who got more championships, boys? I, I told you, boy. Who got boys? Who got we, more championships? We in the NIT every year. Hey, boy, we always in, get invited. You stay in the NIT, and we'll look at that top twenty-five, and we'll go to March Madness. We'll see y'all later. It's not just about the love of the game. It's about dedication and commitment through the process and the patience to endure. There's joy in reaching your goals and peace in knowing you've done all you're supposed to do. 
Roselle brand. It's not just a brand. It's a lifestyle. Shout out to Ozell. Definitely doing big things uh, moving up in the world. Uh, now, Voice, we got a big fight coming up live from the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. WBC Featherweight World Championship. Now, Ray Vargas um, is looking to add another title to his collection. He's actually moving up to face. Um, oh, shit. I've been, <laughs> I've been trying to make sure that I say his name. And I say Osha Kill because it makes you want to say Osha Kill every time you hear it. <laughs> but he's going to be facing Oshaki Foster for the vacant WBC Super Featherweight World Championship. Now, 29-year-old Foster is actually receiving his first title shot um, after having won nine straight. And uh, three of those are actually coming by KO. Now, Vargas believes that this bout is one that has built the challenge of. Um, he recently stated, this is a challenge that motivates me. I know that Foster is coming in to dazzle everyone. He's a good fighter, but it's my job to make things look easy. On February 11th, I'm going to outshine him. He's quick, and he has a good guard and good movements. You can tell he's worked hard, but I believe I'm the toughest opponent he's faced. He won't be able to get past me. Now, the 19-2 Foster is looking to to play the spoiler. He's actually uh, from 300 miles from his hometown, so he's going to have a lot of support there. Although I believe this is actually Vargas' second time uh, fighting in the in the Alamo Dome. So, Voice, what are your thoughts uh, on this bout and the confidence that Vargas is coming in with to, to add another championship to his to his reign? Well, I mean, as, as far as the confidence that he's coming into it with, he should be confident. He is a champion at two different weight classes and has yet to taste defeat in his career that should bring a level of confidence not only have i done it but i've done it in multiple places for quite a long time now uh as far as uh, oshaki is concerned you're right he's coming in here and he wants to uh he, he wants to win i mean who doesn't want to win but for him he's been boxing since he's been eight years old and he said that obtaining a championship that's that's his dream come true you know he he didn't visualize himself going to the olympics or you know some of the other things that some boxers do he wanted to win the belt and what better belt than that green belt as uh floyd mayweather would say um and he, and he knew that okay i know this fight is coming up i feel like is going to be Vargas, even though Vargas was fighting at a lower weight class, he felt like Vargas was going to be the opponent for this fight. So he's been training and really focusing on this, you know, for about six months or so, you know, at least four months. So th this is um, something that he is well prepared for. When you have a situation that you've put kind of all of your hopes and dreams on, that's kind of scary. It's kind of scary be, uh, from a couple different aspects. One, will you put too much pressure on yourself to do it and hurt yourself, keep yourself from being able to uh, be successful in it because you have too much vested in it? Secondly, you win. Then what do you do? 
You know, it's like, you know, I I, I have achieved my life's goal, you know, and, and that could be a great letdown. Um, you know, it, so it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how uh, things play out. Now, I'll say one thing that he has looked forward to and something that uh, Vargas has spoken of as well is unifying the titles. Now, Vargas specifically said, hey, I want Navarrete, which we talked about. Uh, Mexican-Americans and Mexicans uh, in KOs and low blows. He was like, this is Mexican upon Mexican. Mexico versus Mexico. La Raza versus La Raza. So, uh, which, I mean, even saying all that kind of gets me uh, excited. However, he's got to get past uh, Foster, who he believes he'll get past. You know, he keeps saying, like, yeah, you know, he does all that, but uh, he won't get past me. So if he does what he says then, you know, we can look forward to that. If Foster uh, is able to achieve his dream, uh, then uh, it'll be on to unifying that title. And, and we talked about that a bit last week when uh, Navarrete was fighting. You have four different champions right now. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of, of uh, fight to go around. And salute to Navarrete because uh, Liam Wilson was not playing. And I thought he had him out of there uh, in that fourth round uh, for him to come back and stop Wilson. That was huge. Yeah, definitely coming with the heat. Even if you don't, even if you aren't familiar with these two boxes, which it's kind of hard not to be. Vargas versus Foster gives you a great storyline just to look into. Two great fighters that are coming into it for two separate reasons. And if Foster can play the spoiler to this, it's going to be an amazing story to show. However, like you said, Vargas winning also it speaks to to that that Mexican 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 and Mexican American heritage um, that has kind of gone through the super featherweight uh, division. If I'm not, uh, if I'm not, is Julio Cesar Chavez fought for that also, didn't he? Probably, um, probably, yeah. I'm, yeah. At some so, point. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's going to be a, a great bout uh, either way. So just make sure that you uh, make sure that you tune into that. It's going to be on February 11th. Now, taking place on February 12th, we have UFC 284. Now, this is going to be a great fight. Um, there's going to be two main events. So there's going to be a co-main event, and in that co-main event, um, you're going to have Yair Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett. Now. Josh Emmett is literally on cloud nine right now, and he's looking to continue to live the dream um, as he's going to be fighting for that interim UFC featherweight champion championship. Now, the winner of this bout will then be set up to fight uh, Volkanovski at a later date to unify uh, the featherweight crown. I can't talk today. Now, speaking on UFC embedded, um, Josh Emmett actually, he shared a lot. He said a lot of things as a kid we dreamed of. I just felt like eventually I'll I'll be successful and I'll do these things, but it's kind of hard. He said it does feel feel surreal because we're in Australia, uh, at the Indian Ocean on the beach, just hanging out about to go fight for a world title, and it doesn't get any better than that. Now, Yair Rodriguez on the other side of it, he's not dismissing it, but he had hopes to actually get about with about with about with. Uh, Volkanovski a lot sooner, but he's not taking the bout with Emmett lightly. Um, he stated that for me, whatever fight I have in front of me, that's the most important fight of my life, just how I've done my previous ones. 
I'm completely focused on Josh Emmett and I'll worry about those future opportunities when I get there. Now, in terms of the past, I would have liked to have uh, fought the actual champion and not be fighting for an interim belt, but that's just how things play out. And I'm going, I'm not going to waste the opportunity. Now, voice, I want to get your thoughts on not only what um, Rodriguez stated as far as, you know, him feeling like he deserved this title fight earlier and Josh Emmett, the way that he went in, what do you feel like is the difference between their, their two approaches as far as how they're feeling about it? And what do you think, who do you think would be the better fighter to go up against Volkanovski uh, for the, uh, for the unification of it? Great questions. As far as um, the different approaches to it, Yair sounds, like you said, a bit dismissive of the situation, which, as we spoke about before with Foster, that can be beneficial because, you know, maybe it keeps you grounded and you're not uh, coming into the fight with too much pressure on yourself. Uh, at the same time, you may not have uh, the, the proper mindset. You may be looking too far ahead in things. And if I were um, Yair, yeah, I wouldn't be looking too far ahead. To me, Yair is fighting for the title because he was at the right place at the right time. His record over the last five fights is, what, two, one? Hold on, it's two, one, and one, or uh, it's three. No, no, yeah, it's three, one, and one. And that includes his last bout, which uh, was a victory. Uh, but just before that, he lost to Max Holloway, which who doesn't lose to Max Holloway? You know, then he uh, the draw or I should say the no decision was a weird fight between him and um, uh, 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 Jeremy Stevens, who's supposedly getting ready to box uh, Jose Aldo soon, which that's going to be. Very interesting seeing as Jose beat the snot out of him uh, when they fought each other and he didn't use the kicks. He just uh, kept punching them up. So uh, that, that'll be interesting. But that's neither here nor there. He, he, that, that was the uh, no decision. Then he came back and beat him. But, I mean, dude, you just came off a loss not too long ago. And you're fighting for the title? That normally doesn't happen. But, again, to me, it seems like he was at the right place at the right time which is the reason uh, that he should not be overlooking Emmett. Whereas Emmett has been on an absolute tear. I mean, he has not lost since like 2017. So, you know, nearly six years or so. Uh, I'm sorry, 20, 2018. So it's been about five years since he lost. Um, but since then, he's gone on to win like five straight. And has done so in spectacular fashion. Now, these are the fights that took place in the cage. Let's not forget the fight that took place out of the cage where uh, he had an injury that really set him back. He more than likely would have been fighting for the title sooner. And one of the reasons I think he is a bit more grounded in seeing this as uh, the, the, the opportunity and, and, um, and really the title fight that it is is because he felt like he should have been fighting Volk as well a while ago. 
you know, when when Volkanovski had, I want to say it was his last fight. If it wasn't his last fight, it was a fight before that. Emmett was there and he thought he was going to get in the cage and he thought he was going to be next in line because he'd been, like I said, on an absolute tear. And they were like, no, nah, we're going to go with somebody else. Like, what? Hmm. What? After all I've done, you're going with someone else? And I feel like maybe this was after the uh, the Korean zombie fight. So it's like, no, that, that should be me. Why, why am I not getting the love? So he understands how fleeting and how precious a moment this is. And let's be real. The only way that this title gets unified is if Volkanovsky loses in the main event. If he wins, you can kiss uh, or he, he's going to kiss the featherweight division goodbye because the, the though there are intriguing fights there, they're nowhere near as intriguing as the fights that can be made at 155. So really, whoever wins this fight, if Volkanovski is successful, they're the outright champion. Wow. That's big. Well, <laughs> I'm kind of speechless about that because I didn't even that didn't even register me. Well, let's go ahead and get yeah. into it. So, well, well I'm sorry you, anybody... you did ask if uh, who had the better approach, uh, or I should say who would probably fare better. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I would. Oh, that's hard. That is really hard because. Both fighters have uh, a, a very unique skill set. I would say for durability uh, purposes, probably um, probably Emmett. Um, Yair is so explosive. Uh, that would be the fight that most people would like to see. But I think Emmett may have uh, the better chance, again, because of his durability and the wrestling uh, background that he brings. Yair has some jujitsu, uh, but as far as getting it to the mat, that's a different story. Well, I mean, it's all going to depend on what happens because if uh, Islam Makhachev has anything to say about it, it's not. He's actually stated that he's looking to show people that he's not just a fighter, but a dominant fighter uh, when he faces Alexander uh, Volkanovsky for the UFC lightweight championship. Um, at UFC 284 now, he stated, honestly, I want to knock him out. Everybody says Islam is a grappler or a wrestler, but I want to show people my striking. He's a short guy, and I really believe I can knock him out. This is not his area. I'm from other divisions, and this is not the same power. It's not the same, and he's going to understand this, but he wants to try because he's not losing. And if he loses, what is he going to lose? just belt with him but he wants to try and jump and make some good money make some pay-per-view money but this is not his area so I, I i feel like this is not his area it should be the t-shirt he wears to the ring now it's important to note volkanovsky has not been knocked out in his he's only been knocked out once in his career that was his fourth fight against Corey nelson in 2013 since mm -hmm. then he's gone on to defeat 22 straight people with 10 of those wins by KO. So, voice with everything that you just stated there, how do you feel about the possibility that Islam could come in 
and do something that only one man has done since 2013 and knock out Volkanovski. This is a perfect setup because that's the angle I was coming from because Islam has been talking mad head about I I want to stop him. I want to stop him. He's he's little guy. He and let's let's uh, uh, address the elephant in the room. Yeah, he is very short in stature, but if you know about Volkanovski, you know that before he started fighting, he was a rugby player. And when he was a rugby player, he weighed 200 pounds and he was not fat. It was This was 200 pounds, solid muscle. You spoke about his knockout loss in 2013. Do you know what weight class that was at? It was at welterweight. The weight oh, class wow. above where they're fighting. And he has now granted this was earlier in his career and uh, knockouts can come easier b- because of the level of competition. But he's got knockouts at 170 and at 155. You know, so Islam's like, oh, oh, you know, the, this is these are big guys. It's like, OK, but you don't knock people out for real. Most of your I mean, he's got a handful of knockouts. Most of his wins are by submission. And even some of those wins by strikes, it's a ground and pound. You know, you, you got them down there. Uh, you you did the, the patented Eagle uh, Fight Club deal where you slapped the Dagestani handcuffs on them and you just uh, kept beating them until the ref came in and said, okay, that's enough. When he lost, because he only has one loss too, how did he lose? By knockout. Who did he lose by knockout to? Adriano Moraes, who not only was that Adriano Adriano's last win in the UFC, that was Adriano's last win, period. He hasn't won since then. So, you know, you're talking kind of big for somebody, you know, who do, who whose record shows you're not really about that life. You're about winning. You're about dominant wins. But knockouts, so he may be stepping outside of, of his, well, not maybe, if he's talking about knocking them out, he is stepping outside of his standard skill set. If he means by knockout, because English is not his first language, if by that he means stopping them via strikes, okay. But even then, again, that only happens a couple times. Most of the time, it's by submission. Uh, can Islam do both? Yeah, I think he can. Um, can Volkanovski win? I think he can. Uh, you know, they they have uh, they have different methods of victory. Um, for Volkanovski, he's got to get it into the championship rounds. Um, you know, he he is the smaller person in stature, which means he should be uh, more fleet of foot, and. You know, he, he's got to be able to stay away, uh, do his thing, get up from uh, from the ground when Islam uh, does catch him and, and take him down. But if he can drag him into deep waters, he might be able to do something because we really haven't seen uh, Islam fight past, you know, three rounds. Well, we never have because he didn't have those kind of fights. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, there is a way for him uh, to be 
victorious. Uh, Volkanovski there is, just as there is for, for Islam. Uh, I'm really excited to see it. This is for uh, not just the UFC, but uh, also for another uh, MMA publication. This is number one versus number two right now in the world. And there's been a lot of talk about, oh, it's not been publicized and, and things of that nature. And it may not have been. Uh, but uh, for those of us who know, you know, as uh, the saying goes, if you know, you know. And if you know, this is a fight that you definitely want to see and you have to see because so much uh, is on the line as far as the division is concerned. Islam was right. If Volkanovski wins, or I should say loses, he just goes back to being the uh, featherweight champion and defending against the winner of the co-main event. Oh, but if he wins, it's going to be huge. One thing that I wanted to mention, because I had this conversation via Twitter and I heard someone else talking about this uh, on one of the uh, the podcasts that I like to listen to. They were saying that, you know, if Volkanovski wins, you know, he's top five. And I'm like, top five with a win over Islam? Because in my eyes, Islam is still unproven. Did he absolutely destroy uh, uh, Oliveira in that last fight? Yes. And that's like, okay, looks like he is the real deal. Like, like he is who he says he is. But that's one fight. Like I said, he's lost. And not too long ago, got knocked out by somebody who hasn't won a fight since then and is well removed from the UFC. We have to see who Islam really is to say whether or not a victory by Volkanovski would put him in the top five. And I thought about that even more so. Um, Dustin Poirier, who we didn't talk about, uh, uh, who calls this um, this new season of tough, the all my children uh, season, because he sunned both uh, McGregor as well as Chandler. He put out a, a, a Mount Rushmore recently. And on that Mount Rushmore, he had Fedor, he had Habib, Islam's, uh, Islam's mentor, Islam's coach, who's not going to be in his corner. Which that, you know, that that that's another wrinkle in this. You know, you, you have those two. You have, uh, he said, John Jones, and he said, GSP. That's his Mount Rushmore, which is good. Would you put Volkanovsky at number five when we haven't mentioned the great Anderson Silva? Mm. You know, uh, we, we haven't mentioned Anderson Silva. We haven't mentioned... Uh, uh, Stipe Miocic or Francis Ngannou. You know, there, there are so many other uh, great fighters that have gone before. It's like, how could you say that Volkanovski will be the top fighter ever, uh, much less top five when, you know, you got, you got DC out there who's done his thing. You, I mean, there are so many people. And these are just the males. We ain't talked about cyborgs. Right. Who didn't lose for like 10 years. We're not talking about Amanda Nunez. So, like I said, it, it's it's too to me, it's too early for that kind of talk. Uh give some time. Let them fight some more. Let's see what happens uh with the fights that do take place before we start talking about top five 
or number one overall? I think it's I think it's easy in all sports, and you see it a lot. People become prisoners of the moment, and they don't think about the predecessors that came before them. Um, so I think that's that's a great point. But UFC two two eighty four sounds like it's it's going to be something that sets the stage for two thousand twenty three and beyond. I'm definitely interested to see how both of those uh, bouts weigh out. It's going to be a great card. Um, appreciate your voice for definitely getting us prepared. Uh, but that is the weekend. And on top of that, of course, you have the Super Bowl. So there wasn't much this weekend uh, to provide you as far as combat sports, but there's always next week. So we have a lot to cover. Um, this is MTMV Sports. We are the fan. We're just individuals who love the sports that we speak about. And we do the research to make sure that we come and we can provide you uh, the best each and every week. Please make sure you visit our website, get the merch. Voice got some shirts. Uh, not the same podcast. Uh, uh, full ninety four. Full ninety four. Um, any and everybody you can think of. I, there's so many people, and I'm, I lose my thought, my train of thought, and I don't want to miss anybody. Let's also, not leave we the have ladies out. V report and uh, sports talk. We'll see. MVB University. I well, I just said I didn't want to leave anybody out because I ain't been <laughs> able to talk all day. You, you just. You, I mean, you gonna let me do my thing? You just yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you do it. I'm sorry. I thought you were gonna get ready to stop this. So I, you know, I no. want to make sure that the ladies, you know, get their love. Man, the ladies know how I feel about. It. What's up, V? What's up, uh, C? Uh, Miss Marvel. We got some great individuals. That's right. Um, you on did. the team. Uh, look at your voice, messing me up. Now, I'm sorry, I'm make shutting sure up. You also check uh, our website. Get the merch. Check out some of our amazing articles. Voice is actually writing articles. Also, um, we have some great things. We want you to be a part of that. Please like, share, and subscribe. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you want to see. Um, and also make sure you check Ozell brand. Those are some amazing shoes. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Ozell actually just had some great news happen. So make sure you go over to their Instagram page um, and get more. Uh, that's all I got. Because, you know, Voice decided he wanted to do my job today and do his. You know what I mean? The, the greatness of the voice, he just wants to do everything. I can't be the utility man I'm supposed to be. Voice, give us your final words and take us out, sir. Uh, final words, that we said something, or you said something about um, all the articles and things. Many times, my articles are about, about Bellator because of the relationship that we've been able to build with them. I got to say salute to them because they have really done some good things. They locked up uh, AJ McKee not too long ago. And uh, they are now the primary uh, combat sports property for Combate in Brazil. The UFC held that forever, and uh, they just could not get a deal done uh, when they were re-upping. And they released uh, Fight Pass there in Brazil because they couldn't get it done. So, hey, so salute to them. They're making uh, major moves and, and big moves and and. Uh, they, they are one to watch. Who will get Francis Ngannou? That's the real question. Awesome. Definitely some some great news to follow. Uh, make sure to keep up with the voice on Twitter because um, he's always talking about combat sports. He gives you that live feed during, uh, during those great matches. You can follow him at The Voice. Uh, you can also follow me at Mr. Teddy Fair on all platforms. Uh, thank you all for tuning in this week. We hope you have an amazing weekend. And we will see you at Smoke the Clock next Tuesday, 7.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We out.
it locked right here. You are listening to MTMB Sports.